0: a pyramid of serving. And in the world system, the people who are less skilled, less talented, less smart, less good looking are at the bottom of this pyramid. And they serve the ones who are better looking, more talented, more skilled, born in the right place from the right country. And they serve the people at the top, right? That's the world system. The bottom serves the top. But then the kingdom is completely upside down. In the kingdom, Jesus said, if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. The greatest is the one who serves. So we flipped that pyramid upside down in the kingdom and the church, the Levites, the priesthood, those who are here to serve, we're on the bottom of the pyramid and our job is to go to God and, and access resources and then resource you. Resource your family, resource your marriage, resource your finances, resource your business, resource your heart. That's what we're here for. And so we're, we're starting these things for the future. We're planning, we're preparing now for the future. And um, the Transformation Center, all that's in that flyer. And so we just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Let me just stop. Jesus, I thank you. (laughs) I'm filled with so much hope right now, Lord. (laughs) Could you say that even if you don't think that's true right now? Would you say that, God? I'm filled with so much hope right now. (laughs) Amen. That's a good word right there. I am filled with hope. Well, it's so good to see all of you here. Uh, it's really cool. I I, I got to share. So um, Matthias plays soccer on a, a team. And, and if you play soccer, it's very international. You have people from all backgrounds. It looks like our church. It's really cool. And so I was getting to share with my friend who's a Costa Rican minister. Um, I think he works for Samaritan's hearse, uh, Purse. And he was saying, how's the church going? What's going on? I was like, How long you got? I'm so excited. I got to tell you. And uh, I just begin to tell him how God's bringing the nations here. Like the nations are represented here and how the Lord's given us this revelation of he's all of our father. He's the Costa Rican father. He's the Nigerian dad. He's the Texan dad. He's the Hawaiian dad. He's the Mexican dad. And what our goal and what I'm feeling happen is we all come together here and we all have this image of God and we have our nationality flavors that image, right? And what we're getting to experience is we all come together and we're feeling the presence of dad when we come together. That gets familiar. It's like, oh, dad's in the house and have a seat at his table. And it's beautiful, and I love it, and I can't wait to see what it looks like fully, but I love it. I love you being here. I love what God's doing in your family, and we just bless you, and we pray for favor on you. And um, today, I I wanted to do—this is a little different again. I felt like I'm supposed to tell a story, and that you're going to receive from it what you need to receive from it, but it's going to redeem your inheritance today. I feel like the Lord's going to redeem your inheritance today. Something, so um, a few years ago, the Lord gave me a dream. And in my dream, I saw a, sorry, y'all. I saw a house, a factory looking house, and it had seven stories in the house. And every story was different, was furnished differently and the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth stories of this house were all dusty. And the furniture was covered with cloths and there was dust everywhere and things hadn't been touched and things had not been um, used in quite a while. And the Lord took me to the seventh floor of this and he was giving me a car. Actually, he was giving me a Jeep, which is really what I want. Like if I, if I have a car, like I want a Jeep. I want something I can get muddy and take off the road, right? And so the Lord's giving me this Jeep and it was actually coming through my father. And so it's in this big crate, and I think, oh, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to open this crate, and the coolest Jeep Gladiator with the biggest mud tires and whatever is going to be in there. And we open the crate up, and it's not even put together. It's, it's not even assembled. And I'm so angry in my dream. <laughs> like, I'm dreaming this, but I'm angry. Like, why would you promise me this awesome Jeep and then put it in a box and I have to put it together. And I have no idea how to build this Jeep. I don't know what to do. I'm not a Jeep builder. I'm not a robot either, right? Robots build all these cars nowadays. I have no clue what to do. And I'm angry with God. I'm like, why would you give this to me? And then me have to figure it all out. And so I'm angry. And the Lord's like, just build it. So I start building it. And guess what? It only has three wheels. It's one of those Jeeps that's made that's a weird Jeep that you would never drive cuz it would tip over <laughs> cuz it's got two wheels in the back and one in the front. It looks like it's like a golf cart with one wheel in the front. And I'm angry about it and I'm just thinking it. So, long story short, the Lord gave me insight into what it was. It was like the Jeep represented the ministry. Like vehicles in your dreams often represent ministry. And I was the Lord was giving me a ministry and it was, it was what I wanted, but not what I wanted. And I was going to have to learn a lot of lessons and build this and figure it out. And long story short, the six floors below me represented generations before me. See, I'm a, I'm a seventh generation minister or sixth generation minister. Like, um, I can go back. Literally, I found the document, six generations of pastors in my family. The last four have been Pentecostal. Like I I go back and I find this stuff. And so the Lord was saying, there are things that were left by the previous generations that were undiscovered or they haven't been used in a while. And I want you to access them. And there are things that I don't even know about. There are promises that God made my great, great, great grandmother or grandfather that are still available to me through their bloodline. And some of them I'm not even aware of. They're not written down somewhere, but they're in the heart of God for me. And I feel like the Lord was saying, today, that's going to be some of you, that there's going to be an inheritance that's been set aside for you. It may not have been written down. It may not have been talked about, but it's there and it's available and it's in the hand of God today. And he wants you to access it. He wants you to go for it. And so I want to, I feel like God's going to heal your generational history today. I feel like he's going to restore what the enemy stole due to ancestral rebellion. And you're going to discover the joy of your salvation today. So I'm going to tell this story. Because of time, I'm going to just kind of, kind of read through it. It's in Numbers chapter 3. Numbers 16 are places I'm going to reference for this story. And then we're going to end up in the Psalms on this wonderful, this is such a wonderful story. Father, I ask you to add your anointing to this. I, Lord, I ask that it will be a breakthrough anointing that the things that you've told me, the things that we've talked about and prayed about would happen for everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So where do we need to start? Well, in Numbers chapter three, the Bible begins to set out the order of how he wants to be worshiped. And he sets aside a specific tribe of Jacob, a tribe of Israel named Levites. Everyone say Levites. So Levi was one of the 12 sons, and and God was saying, going forward, You're going to worship me, but this tribe of Levi is going to be the ones responsible for serving me full time. They're going to manage the operations of worship before me. They were ordained to take care of the tabernacle. They were ordained to take care of all the elements of worship that were there, as well as the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone say the Ark of the Covenant. So the Levites were responsible for this part of the ministry uh, picture it like this. How many have ever been part of like a church plant or you've done like some sort of outdoor worship service anywhere? You've got a crew of people to put that together, right? You've got some people, you're, you're responsible for the sound system and, and you're responsible for the tent or the chairs or the tables or all the setup. That was what happened for the Levites. They were given their specific responsibilities. However, only the, the, the people of Aaron, only the descendants of Aaron were allowed to serve and offer worship as the priests. So you had the Levites that were responsible for all the elements, the tabernacle and all that. But then you had Aaron and the descendants of Aaron who were actually the ones that performed the rituals and the sacrifices. They were the priesthood. And so Levi had three sons. One was Gershon, one was Merari, and one was Kohath. Really beautiful names, guys. I love them. So the Gershonites is what they were called. They were responsible. I'm going to tell you this. Okay, I'm going to tell you a lot of information because it's important, all right? They were responsible for the care of the tabernacle, the tent, its coverings. They were responsible for the curtain, the entrance to the tent of meeting, the outside court curtains, um, the inside court curtains, the surrounding the tabernacle on the altar, the ropes. That was their responsibility, and then the, the Mararites, however you say it, they were supposed to take care of the frames of the tabernacle, the crossbars, the posts, the base, all its equipment, all the heavy stuff to put the tent together. That was their responsibility. The tent pegs, the ropes, it was their responsibility. And then you have the Kohathites, their responsibility was to take care of the sanctuary and all of the things that were in the sanctuary. This this was the Ark of the Covenant. This was the table, the lampstand, the altars, the articles of the sanctuary that were used for ministry. That was their responsibility. And they were directly under the supervision of Aaron. All right, this is important. However, unlike the Gershonites and the Merarites, so those two were allowed to pick the things up with their hands and carry them on carts, on horses, on mules, on whatever. They could touch the stuff and they could load it onto other, other things to transport so they didn't have to carry the weight of the tabernacle. However, the Kohathites weren't allowed to touch the sacred things. They had to actually do a ceremonial covering before they could pick the things up and they were only allowed to carry them on poles on their own shoulders. So get the picture. Everyone else gets the easy way out. They get the dollies, they get the flat beds, they get all the stuff, the backpacks, the stuff that makes it easier to carry this stuff. And this one group, the Kohathites, had to carry it on their shoulders and feel the weight of the ark, the weight of the presence of God. Makes sense? Now, over time, many of the descendants of these Kohathites begin to hate their role. They got frustrated. They're like, this is so unfair. Everyone else gets the cool job that's easy and we've got the hard job. I mean, we can't even touch the stuff. We have to follow all these ceremonial rules just to transport it. And then we got to carry it a very specific way because if we don't do it right and we touch it wrong, we'll die. Yeah, they get to carry it all however they figure it out. We don't get to. And so there was a man named Korah. Has anyone ever heard of Korah? So there was a man named Korah, and he was a Kohathite. Co- a co- Gosh. He was a Kohathite. He came from this specific uh, son of Levi who wasn't allowed to touch the the ceremonial things, and had to carry it on his shoulders. And all of a sudden, this other group of Reubenites, they were from the tribe of Reuben, they came, a man named Dathan and Abiram, and they came to him and they're like, we don't think it's fair that, first of all, that Moses and Aaron get to make the rules. And they're frustrated with that. And they're like, and they come to Moses and they make this complaint. And not only that, they get 250 people to sign their pledge of rebellion, and they're like, yeah, we're with you. We're sick of doing this. We're sick of the rules. We're sick of how this is happening. And on top of that, who does Aaron think he is to say he's the only one allowed to offer sacrifices and worship before God? We're all priests. This is what they said. They came to Moses and said, Moses, you've gone too far. This is in uh, Numbers 16. All right, numbers, yeah, Numbers 16. I can't remember which verse. Verse four, around there. He says, Moses, they, Moses you've gone too far. The whole community is holy. Is that true? That's up to God to decide. But every one of them. And the Lord is with them. Is that true? Yeah, the Lord's with them. Absolutely. So why then do you set yourself above the Lord's assembly? How come you are saying only Aaron can offer sacrifices? We should be able to do this too. So Moses, when he heard of the opposition, he fell down and he sought the Lord. And he, so the Lord told him, I want you to do this. I want you to ask all the people that signed the rebellion pact. I want you to tell them to meet me in the temple tomorrow. And I want you to, I want them to have incense and the Lord's going to show who his favor is with. So Moses tells him, he goes, you're out of line. Actually, you say, I'm out. I'm out of order. You're out of order. Your whole rebellion's out of order. (laughs) All of you. So tomorrow the Lord's going to show who's, who, who he's with and who he's against. And so they show up, and who does God side with? Moses and Aaron, because God is a God of order and, and rules. And so I don't know if you remember the story, but it's a pretty, pretty crazy story in the Bible. So this group of rebellious people are standing before Moses, and Moses prophesies over them, the ground is going to open up and swallow you whole. And as he's saying it, poof, the ground opens up and swallows the whole rebellion in, in, into it. And then the Lord is, is angry. And so he sends this, this, this plague and more people die. And they're like, stay away from the rebellious people. Get as far away from them as you can, all right? And so Korah's gone. You would think that that would be the end of the Kohathites, right? But it leads us to believe that, that Korah had some young sons that didn't sign up for the rebellion. This is so important. And they they survived, all right? (laughs) God was, this is in Numbers 26, verse nine through 11. It says that that, um, God judged those who turned against him in an act of rebellion, but he purified the rest of the people because he still had a plan and a purpose for the line of Korah, who was a Kohathite. Now listen to this. This This is important. Fast forward seven generations. So, about 40 years as a generation. So fast forward 280 years, and there's a prophet named Samuel born. And guess what lineage Samuel comes from? From Korah and from the Kohathites. And God establishes through Samuel, through the prophet, that the Kohathites are to become doorkeepers and custodians in the tabernacle, their original purpose. As a matter of fact, one special group of this, this tribe from, from Kohath through Korah, through the line of rebellion into the future here, one of them began to serve King David in his worship in the temple. And they were mighty warriors. They performed exploits and they were, they were wonderful men who served God and they were not rebellious. And guess what? When David says, we're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back from, from the Philistines, it's been there long enough, from, from, from not being where it should be, we're gonna go get it. He goes and he handles it incorrectly, right? And a man named Uzzah reached out and touched the ark to steady it and died. Why did he die? Because he was a Kohathite. He was from the line that wasn't allowed to touch the special things, so he died. And so David's like, whoa, 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 there's some rules at play, I don't know. I I really feel like that's what David did. He's like, okay, there's something here I don't know, I need to know. So he sends the Ark of the Covenant to someone's house. Whose house? Everyone say, Obed Edom. Guess who Obed Edom was related to? He was related to Korah, he was a Kohathite. So he knew how to handle the Ark. And so the ark was in his house for three months and everything in the house was prosperous. I've shared this so many times. I'm going to share it again because it's unreal. If you look at his uh, genealogy, there were 62 male descendants. Like, for, so he had sons and then grandsons that turned to 62. What happened was there were women at that time when the ark went to his house. This is from like Jewish tradition and Jewish uh, uh, writings that said they, they began to get pregnant with six and eight kids. And it happened when the ark was there. It says even their animals gave outrageous um, births, like numbers that they had never seen before while the ark was in his house. And it says everything he touched at that moment was blessed. And David heard, oh, the ark is a blessing. It's not a curse, but we have to do it and handle it the proper way come on. Amen. So David says, let's do this the right way. And so Obed-Edom, I believe, told him, hey, there's this, there's this law that we're required to uphold and we can't touch the sacred things and we can't carry them like everyone else. It can't be put on a cart, guys. You can't carry the ark on a cart. It has to rest on the shoulders of the priest's. It has to rest on their shoulders. It can't be carried other ways. So David's like, whatever we're supposed to do, we're going to do it right. So they, they put the ark the way they're supposed to carry it. They properly carried it. Every few steps, they stopped and offered a sacrifice to God according to the laws of God. Every detail, they nailed it. And David brings the ark back into the, into the place where it belonged. And they held a celebration. Why? Because the presence of God was back. And it was a sign to every nation. God's glory and his favor is back on this house. Amen? Yeah. I want to tell you something really cool that I'd never saw before. So I, I was reading all that story the last few weeks and just studying it, studying David's mighty men. And when I got to Obed-Edom, I was like, why Obed-Edom? And then the Lord showed me he was a Kor- Kohathite. He was from Korah. And so I was like, well, what's the big deal with that? And then I saw something in my Bible I never saw before. This, these descendants of Korah wrote, eight, uh, wrote 11 of the Psalms that are in, in your Bible. All right? Would you open your Bible to Psalm 42? I want to show you something so cool, man. Let's start with Psalm 42. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but I want you to read the heading because it tells you who wrote them. Psalm 42 for the choir director, a maskal of the sons of Korah. Whoa. Psalm 44 for the choir director, a maskal of the sons of Korah. What is going on here, Lord? Psalm 45 from the sons of Korah, Psalm 46, from the sons of Korah, 47, sons of Korah, 48, sons of Korah, 49, sons of Korah. Now go to Psalm 84, sons of Korah, Psalm 85, sons of Korah, 87, 88, sons of Korah. What's the point? I want you to hear these Psalms through the lens of what Korah did in rebellion. All right. I, I, I'm going somewhere very specific with this, and I hope th- <sighs> Levi was with me. Um, I, don't, I think it was Thursday night. And I was sitting at the table and I was reading, and the Lord showed this to me, and I, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, Lord. All right. Psalm 84. How does it start out? How lovely is your dwelling place? Oh, Lord. Of hosts. (laughs) My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for you, the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow has a nest where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Do you hear this? These are the sons, the descendants of a man who rebelled against God, against his man, against the the order that God established. These guys were their sons. And what was Korah's rebellion? We should be able to, to serve God. We should be able to stand in the courts of the Lord and offer sacrifices. We should be able to do this and listen to what his descendants learned. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. Though they pass through the valley of Baca, which is weeping, they will make it a spring. And the rain also covers it with pools. They will go from strength to strength. You've heard these in songs, right? Each one appears before God in Zion. O God, Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O Jacob. Selah, O God, before our shield, behold our shield and look upon our face. All right, you ready? for better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Listen to the repentance that came to the line of Korah. I would rather be a doorkeeper. That's what's gonna set your generational line free right there. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord Didn't spend a thousand days anywhere else. (sighs) Do you see what God did? He restored their original inheritance. They were called to be doorkeepers, gatekeepers. They were called to very specific duty somewhere along the line that wasn't good enough for someone in their family. And they rebelled against God's call and it broke things apart. But the Lord restored it seven generations and brought Samuel, the prophet, brought Obed-Edom, brought this whole story into existence, this whole historical account. And he restored the inheritance that was set apart for the Kohathites. And they loved it. They cherished it. They figured it out. God, we'd rather, we'd rather carry the heavy burden of your, of your ark on our shoulders than to try to carry it on a cart or to have someone else's responsibility. We see it now. We understand it. This is our inheritance. This is our heritage from you. And I would rather be a doorkeeper than anywhere else. And so somewhere in your family, There's an inheritance like this that you're gonna find today. And it's gonna restore the joy of your salvation. And you're gonna be like, oh, that's where I'm supposed to be. That's the place I'm supposed to stand. That's the responsibility I'm supposed to carry. And I don't want anyone else's responsibility, I don't want anyone else's job. I'm not jealous of what they have. Fall in love with your calling. It's the Lord who sets apart and establishes your portion. Everyone say this with me. The Lord establishes my portion. He gets to tell me what's mine. It's his joy to release my inheritance to me. And I want whatever portion he has for me. If, the, if my portion for the rest of my life is to clean the toilets in the house of the Lord, God, I want to do it and I want to love it and I want to be the best toilet cleaner in your house. And I want to I I renovate and change toilet cleaning on the whole earth out of the joy of serving you. Come on, some of you are called to business. Some of you are called to, um, to, self, to, to helping others through counseling, through psychology. Some of you are called to create and invent things. Do it as unto the Lord. When you find your calling, when you find your purpose, it will not only bring joy to you, it will set up the future generations that follow you, and they will step into a line of favor and blessing you could never work your way into. You can only submit your way into it. I'm gonna say that again, like it was the same thing Satan wanted that Korah and them got poisoned with. We can ascend the hill of the Lord. And so many times we get jealous, we get frustrated with what we're called to do. I, I, I mean, how many of I've done it. Like, Lord, why, why, am I, why is this what I'm supposed to do? I was so much, I'm, I'm better at other things, God. And the Lord's like, find the joy in what I portioned to you. Psalm 85, they said this mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. Look what they found when they stepped into their place. It's thankfulness. It's being thankful. Oh man, I I don't want to do this job. No, thank you so much for this job, God. I will do it as unto you. I pray you discover something new today. I pray you rediscover something that was in your family line. It may be seven generations back, but it's waiting for you to discover it. I feel like that's what some of what the Bible is saying when it says all creation is groaning. All creation is a longing for what? for the sons of god to appear. What does that mean? I feel that all of creation, I feel like the place you live, the place you work, the place that you're connected to outside of this house, I believe they are longing for you to discover an ancient inheritance, an ancient portion that when you get in, in there you get in there and you do that thing with all the joy in your heart that it sets captives free. I really believe this. And when I saw that, I couldn't help but just, I always thought David wrote that song. Ah, betters one day in your courts, I'd rather be a dork. I always said David did that. I never knew the history of it. What did it cost the sons of Korah? They knew what their fathers had done. They knew the rebellion that they had stepped into. And they made sure to stay pure before the Lord. And that was Moses' frustration with, with Korah. He's like, "What are you griping about? You guys get to serve in the temple of God. Is that not enough for you?" But his their great 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 grandson said, "I would rather be a doorkeeper than be anywhere else." If I got to, here's the here's the healing that took place in that bloodline. If I could choose any job. In the world, If you gave me a blank check, said you can be president, you can be king of the world, whatever. You, no, we want to be doorkeepers because that's what you wanted us to be. Would you close your eyes? Father, I pray that today will be a day of identity, a day of purpose, a day of rediscovered identity, inheritance, portion. I pray you unlock us, God. We sing one of their songs often here. All my fountains are in you. All my hope is, be- that's one of the Korah songs. All my springs are in you, Psalm 87, verse seven. Father, I ask that you would grip our hearts right now. will not you stand with me? Just, just have a conversation with him. Like... <sighs> It's a day of discovery, God, a day of rediscovery. You guys know the word, have you ever heard the word revelation, right? What do you think of when you hear revelation (laughs) in times, the book of the Bible or information from God, like insight, Here's the thing about Revelation, though. It's, it's never a brand new thing. It's what has, has been there all along that we didn't see. And it's the Lord saying, hey, this has been here all along. I'm going to lift the veil of Revelation, and you're going to see what's been here all along for you. And I pray that over you right now. Father, may you lift the veil of Revelation where we can see that lane you set aside for us generations ago. That we will step into it, God. That we would fall into line. That you would sync us up with purpose. You said in Psalm 139, all the days of our lives were written about before even one of them came into being. God, this is what you're talking about. God, today is a unique day. August 27, 2023 was the day we stepped into revelation we never knew before. I pray you unlock people. If you're here and you say, I I know there's something in my generational line. I know it. I've felt it. I felt like it's been pursuing me, like it's a shadow. And I haven't fully understood what it is. But today I want to understand, would you lift your hands? Anyone? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes, God. Lord, as they lift their hand, may you download to them identity, purpose, portion, what you've allotted for them, God. And may it release them and set them free. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light, God. It's so much better your way, God. open up the wells of revelation God for you are God you cannot lie when you speak your words come to being you are watching over your word to perform it would you lay your hand on your neighbor and pray that God you are watching over your word to perform it in my neighbor your word cannot return to you void Ooh, it must accomplish the purpose. Come on. Ooh. <laughs> Your word cannot return void, God. It must accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. It has to. you are going to step into a rhythm today you've never stepped into before. There will be no strife. Everyone say, no strife. You can't fight your way into this. You can't read your way into this. It's a simple of surrender. It's a a surrendering to what has already been said. Gosh. It has already been written. Whew. come on just lean in lean into revelation I feel he's here revealing (sighs) open our eyes God give us eyes to see ears to hear for someone it's going to be like when Saul became Paul and God revealed himself to him and said, why do you kick against the goads? Why are you fighting what has already been written? We drive out all rebellion. Sometimes rebellion just is, is me thinking I have a better idea than God. This is better for my life. This is better for my future. This is better for my business, my family. It may sound like a better idea, but to God, it sounds like rebellion. So we drive that out and we yield. Show us, God, what we've been fighting against. There may be two or three people here or watching. You felt that. You felt like you've been resisting the call of God. And I don't necessarily mean called into ministry, but I mean his call for your life. What he says you were called to do uniquely. If you felt that resistance, would you yield to him now? Just lift your hands and yield to him. I surrender. I give up. We pull the white flag out. We are the sheep of your pasture. We hear your voice. We will not follow another. In a moment, there'll be at least four people will meet you here at the front to pray if you want prayer for something specific or for today. But I, I love what's been happening in the altar the last few weeks. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pray for your neighbor, and I'm going to ask for you to pray specifically that their inheritance will be redeemed, that the portion the Lord has allotted for them would manifest in their life. <sighs> Ready? Just pray along those lines. The Lord will give you the words. And if you don't know what to pray, pray in the spirit. The Lord will interpret it for you. Yeah, come on. Your inheritance is like a gift. I want you to have it. I want you to have the gift. Yeah. If you're still in receiving mode, that's okay. Like, that's all right. So I'm going to pray for everyone. Father, I don't fully understand the weight of the word. I don't fully understand what, what is going to happen here. we bring to you our broken lives. We bring to you our, we bring everything to you, God. And we lay it at your feet and we surrender it to you. And God, we ask that you be the Lord of our life. And God, as we surrender, I ask that you would redeem our inheritance. That Holy Spirit, you will begin to activate what has already been written over our lives. Some, some this week, they're going to be driving down the road and it's going to click. And they're like, oh, that's it. God, I pray that the joy of the Lord will fall on them when that happens. I look forward to the testimonies of you discovering it. Ooh. think this is all of you, but maybe, maybe a couple of you need to look through your, your genealogy. Just look back. Think back. Find out where your family came from. What was there? What did God have there? If you don't know that, God, what, what is my inheritance? This is an invitation today to pursue. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. You guys know that. So I bless you if you need prayer, come here to the front. If you're still in receiving mode, take your time. I just pray that the Lord unlocks unlocks you today. We bless you in Jesus' name.